Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Thanks for the Knowledge, the weekly fanboy news show rounding up the headlines and games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I'm your host, head of fanboy media, John Warren. How are you? Welcome to the end of the week or the beginning of your week, depending on when you listen to this episode. Uh, I have a great show for you today. Uh, I sat down and chatted with the senior marketing manager of Battle and Brew in Atlanta, GA, Brian Smalley. We talked about everything from food to MOBAs uh, to what makes Final Fantasy 15 not quite a Final Fantasy game. You won't want to miss that conversation. It's really great. But before we get to that, we have to talk about this week's top story. This week's top story is really a collection of stories with a theme. What's next? A lot of developers and publishers have their future up in the air right now or are in between big, mysterious projects, so let's dive in. Following the departure of series director Jeff Kaplan, Blizzard said they'd be more communicative about the state of Overwatch 2 with Aaron Keller at the helm. So far, they've revealed a bit about the game's PvE story mode, but not much else. This will change on May 20th, when the developers plan to hold a live stream detailing the PvP mode it will share with the existing Overwatch game. Overwatch League teams will participate in the live stream as well, giving us the first possible look at what the official eSport of Overwatch might look like when Overwatch 2 launches. The Overwatch team will also do a Reddit AMA on May 24th to answer follow-up questions the public may have. Overwatch 2 doesn't have a release date yet other than, quote, not 2021, uh, which was when it was expected to come out until delays hit the team. When it does come out, it will do so for at least PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. No details yet about how the game will interact with next-gen consoles. Sega had their yearly earnings call recently, and as tradition, with many publisher financial reports, a vague hint at a huge project was dropped during the rundown. Listed as Super Game, Sega described the the secret project as being a European-developed first-person shooter with a three- to five-year development time, though nothing was said about when the project is starting or if it has already started, and they're expecting the game to make $900 million when it comes out. We may have clues as to what Sega's talking about, even if the report from this week is vague. In 2018, Creative Assembly, the UK-based team behind the Total War franchise, was acquired by Sega in uh, 2005 and is working as of that year, as of 2018, on a first-person sci-fi shooter, and a number of folks were hired to expand the team for those purposes. If that is indeed the case, we may hear about this game pretty soon. Ubisoft's yearly reports from this week included details that fans of sprawling piracy games may find incredibly disappointing. Skull and Bones, which was announced all the way back at E3 2017, has been pushed out of this fiscal year, meaning the earliest it will come out is spring of 2022, up through March 2023, unless the game is hit with even more delays. The seafaring, swashbuckling game has all but disappeared from the public view since 2018, after the creative director left. Ubisoft. In 2020, Ubisoft faced numerous allegations of harassment and workplace malpractice, and in turn shook up much of its senior staff. On the call this week, Ubisoft didn't give a thorough explanation for the delay, other than the team needs more time to execute their vision. Sticking with French developers and publishers for a moment, Don't Nod, the studio most associated with the successful Life is Strange franchise, seems to be stepping away from the series entirely. Deck Nine is the studio responsible for the upcoming Life is Strange True Colors. Don't Nod CEO Oscar Gilbert, when asked by IGN about if they'll return to the franchise, said, quote, Never say never, but for the moment, it's not our strategy. Yeah, we want to, uh, we want to own our own IPs. That's what we want to do, end quote. 
This quote alludes to the fact that life is strange is an, uh, as an intellectual property is owned entirely entirely by Square Enix. Uh, that means that Square Enix gets to decide where the franchise turns, who gets to develop it, and what it overall looks like and sounds like and feels like. From this statement, it's unclear if Don't Nod stepped away from the arrangement or if Square Enix did, but Don't Nod's mission seems pretty clear. EA this week announced that the next Battlefield game will be revealed soon and will be a, quote, true next generation game, end quote, which admittedly means nothing to us over at fanpite.com. Uh, gaming's hype man Jeff Keeley took to his Twitter account this week to promote the announcement as well, adding some notes I'll charitably call details like, quote, epic scale, all out warfare and game changing destruction, end quote. This reveal will happen sometime in June, likely at an E3-adjacent event, with even more details to be announced at EA's Summer Showcase on July 22nd. If Battlefield truly is a next-generation game, then we can expect it to skip PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, though that would be a bit of a surprise, given where we are in the generation cycle. We will know more soon enough. Dragon Quest one of gaming's most storied franchises from Japan. Similar to Monster Hunter, it seems to be having a moment in the West, by which I mean it is a long-existing franchise that's finally starting to make serious moves in the United States. I would also throw Yakuza in the same bucket. On May 26th, Square Enix will hold a live stream announcing what's next for the role-playing franchise. If we look at the timeline of when Dragon Quest XI was announced back in 2015, it stands to reason that Dragon Quest XII might be the big reveal here. Uh, which, uh, what is very, very curious about this live stream in particular is it will be simulcast in English, hinting at the very least an understanding that the U.S. audiences care more and more about this, and at most, the possibility of a global launch for the next major game in the series, a la what Sega, Sega recently announced for its Yakuza universe games. We will have answers to those questions in less than two weeks. Joining me on the show this week is the Senior Marketing Manager of Battle and Brew in the Atlanta GA area. Uh, he was also the head chef for many years, so I'm super excited to talk about food with him. It's Brian Smalley. Hello. 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 Good morning. Good morning. Morning, <laughs> this, morning, morning, morning. This is so I got good. my church hat on. I'm yeah. so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. I, this is the best energy anyone's ever come onto the show with. So I just want to start with that because everyone is just kind of put like, it on my tombstone. But, yeah, most people most people are pretty too cool for school. They're like, we're gonna be on John Warren's big podcast, and I'm like, <laughs> it's really not that big of a deal, you know? Oh um, yeah, no, yeah. I approach everything with the sort of energy of of someone who's too happy to the point of being insufferable, but I wear it on my face with no emotion. Like I keep all my excitement inside, and then I just I play it. It's perfectly straight on the outside. That's good. No, I think that I think that works. Um, tell me about Battle and Brew first for for the listeners at home and and also me. I want to know more about more about this place because I I see it on social media. I'm excited about it. I don't live anywhere near it. So tell me about tell me about Battle and Brew. I can think of nothing better to do than to tell you about Battle and Brew. So uh, Battle and Brew is the oldest and longest running 
uh, geek and video game themed bar, restaurant, entertainment venue in the world. Okay, we uh, we predate Mana Bar and we outlived them. We outlived all of them sons. Of- can I cut this? Yeah. Cut oh this? yeah, you can absolutely cut. We this. outlived all of them sons of bitches. Uh, you know they rise and fall like the tides, but we we maintain. Uh, so we are, <laughs> you know, uh, a video game. Uh, yeah, bar and restaurant, and and we have games, but it's not a barcade. A barcade is a particular type of establishment where poorly maintained arcade cabinets are uh, purveyed alongside overpriced cocktails. That is not what we do. <laughs> we are a gaming and geek-centric uh, uh, bar and restaurant. We have uh, dope food. Uh, my younger brother is the head chef, Adam. He uh, is fantastic. He took over after I stepped down from the head chef position, and he's a god. Uh, he is uh, he is much more structured than I am. Uh, I'm more fly by the seat of my pants, and he is very much a plan it out kind of guy. Um, just wanted to praise him because I always like to praise my younger brother. He's very good at his job. Uh, but we also have amazing craft cocktails. Our bar manager Angie is a is a, a goddess of cocktailing. She's fantastic. Uh, we do geek themed cocktails, geek themed food. We take inspiration from everything from video games and anime to board games and tabletop and 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 all that in between. And we use that as a, as the basis to to build out a a, a fantastic menu combining uh, traditional craft cocktailing, fun shots, and things of that nature for the people who like to party, and also, um, you know, we do what what I would call Southern fusion, where we take Southern cuisine and we combine it with other international cuisines. We're not really um, we're not really uh, okay to just sit and let things stay. We always like to change things and adapt things sure. and, and move things along. And so I, uh, when I was there and, and, you know, to some extent I still have uh, input, I'm a very big fan of European cuisines. And so yeah. I like to integrate a lot of European cuisine with Southern food. And my brother, um, our best friends growing up were Libyan. And so he grew up eating, oh, wow. uh, with, with our best friends and he would eat a lot of Libyan food. And so he loves, uh, Middle Eastern flavors. He loves North African flavors. He loves to mix that sort of stuff. And then we both have a, a deep appreciation for, you know, everything from Sichuan to to Korean food. Um, you know, everything in Asia. We're loving it. Uh, and so we we love to we love to take uh, parts of those things and integrate it with Southern fusion. Oh, that sounds uh, so because good. biscuits and gravy is yeah, biscuits and gravy is still the best dish on God's green earth, and I'll fight everyone in the UK over their awful biscuits and their awful gravy. You you have stumbled into and and we have a rough agenda here, but now that you've brought up biscuits and gravy, we have to talk about biscuits and gravy. Um, okay. I, I yes, when when the British man tweeted uh his hate for a business <laughs> and gravy a couple of weeks ago uh it did it well, you and i both did kind of lose our minds uh for most of the day i do remember that um can you describe i mean listen i know what biscuits and gravy are i've made them uh sure. oh gosh i want to say a hundred times in my life which is like like for me who doesn't cook all the time is quite a bit um what describe the dish for folks that may not know. And then I want to talk about a lot of things with biscuits. Gravy. We might talk about biscuits and gravy for like 10 or 15 minutes. Now that I think about it, but go ahead. Yeah. I think I, I think I do have to 
talk more about Battle and Brew. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, but I love talking about Biscuits and Gravy. Also, the fucking audacity of that man, to the royalist from the UK, to hop onto Twitter.com, the hell site, and talk down, to punch down on Biscuits and Gravy, a, uh, a southern staple, an iconic dish, um, was just like insane to me. But also, he did it at like 2 in the morning when he assumed <laughs> no one in the South would be awake right. to defend themselves, yeah. which was like, ballsy move, dude. Like, you've clearly never been here and then he posts a picture and then even, my favorite thing was even other english people came out the woodwork to be like you you're gonna lose this this, you're is, gonna lose this. this is not the play yeah. the folks putting up pictures of these these like awful looking british dishes with like liver and onions and and i actually like blood sausage but like sure you can't like be like you can't be like oh we have black pudding and and yorkshire pudding and it's like though neither of those things are pudding and also they're both uh, they, not the not as good as biscuits and gravy they made up they made up a sandwich called a chip buddy where they just put french fries on white toast <laughs> like listen like they, they, like i'm not judging i'm just saying like who the fuck do you think you are honestly they you know? think they think putting sun chips on a subway sandwich is part of their national identity and i think that's very <laughs> sad i'm very depressed for them but biscuits and gravy is hot buttered biscuits big ones southern biscuits are gigantic yes. uh both in height and girth uh and they should be hot and soft on the inside and fluffy southern gravy is a white uh it's called a couple couple different things pepper mill gravy white gravy white mill gravy you know, there's a lot of names for it it's a it's a white gravy based on a roux, normally made with uh, pork fat or lard. Uh, but I know that you can make it with other weaker ingredients for cowards, and you should have uh, crumbled up sausage in there. I sometimes like to add crumbled chorizo because I live mm. moss, and uh, and it's you know it's just good. And you put you cover it in gravy. Now here's a weird thing. I eat my biscuits and gravy North Carolina style. Uh, my family's traditionally from North Carolina, traditionally, and uh, <laughs> they, yeah, they they put their grape jelly on the biscuits and gravy. So you do the biscuit oh, and then the gravy, and then you wow. do a little grape jelly on there, and you get the sweetness, and then the like the super saltiness and the savoriness of the gravy, and it's it's phenomenal so I, there, I, I did it at a waffle house once and the uh and the waitress goes oh you're from north carolina and i was like <laughs> this lady knows my family i didn't know that i didn't know that that was a thing yeah. that's amazing yeah. one, one of the I'm things sure people in the comments are going to be upset that it's like that's not north carolina it's like it is where winston salem is yeah well i, I was gonna say one of one of my biggest faux pas with folks that make business and gravy and this is usually regional outside of the south uh in texas is uh, and and I want to I want to be clear. I think this is very different than what you just said. Uh, I know people that put sugar in their gravy, and mm. and that to me creates a bad flavor combination to me. But having a different kind of sweetness, like it, like listen, we've talked about it on another one of our shows, Friends Reunion, every Monday. Uh, the three of us did talk about one time how we we put grape jelly from mcdonald's on mcdonald's breakfast sandwiches because they're it's just better with jelly on them in my opinion so i can imagine that that flavored combination is very good the porkiness the sweetness of the grape jelly i can definitely get with that but yeah, man it's a secret secret recipe right there but I, i'm giving that out i have so many well, i have so many problems with like regional interpretations of biscuits and gravy that aren't in the south like have you seen any that are up, like especially egregious or are you like you know what i fuck with whatever you know whatever people you, want to do 
You know, I don't go to the north very often. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> I do go. I go to Germany more than I go to the northern part of the United States. That's fair. Um, nothing against you know, nothing against them. It's just not where I, I, I like to go very often. But I, I do want to say that I appreciate that you differentiated between the South and Texas, which is There's, one of the different. things I think I've tweeted about the most is that Texas is full of Texans and they like to be called Texans and the <laughs> South is full of Southerners and they like to be called Southerners for the most part if they are, you know, if they identify as Southerners. And so they are different things. Texas is not located in the uh, quote unquote South. It is located in the center bottom portion of the country how would you differentiate a texan and someone from the south because i i also see it as being very clearly different but like it's, i think most of the country does not i don't think i don't think humility is like a big catch point in in texas i don't think that texans are texans are brought up to be wildly loyal to texas and they're also yeah. brought up to be uh like super super proud of that and yeah. very aggressive about that sure. and i think that runs contrary to what a lot of us learn in the south um i think that texans also have like a um a proclivity for just c- cutting fucking wild like texans party at a level that i don't want to because i get like worried about my car <laughs> like, yeah. like they're they have they have boat parties where boats just sink sometimes and that's just that shit happens jim's boat sank now jim's over here like they're not recovering the boat they're just leaving it at the bottom of the lake and that's yeah. just a level of it's a level of partying that i don't want to get into because i'm just like uh if i buy a boat i'd like to keep it yeah yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. I think that's actually a pretty, yeah. pretty good summation. I, 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 yeah. T- parties in Texas when I was in college were, I, I, I think I told the story on a different show, but we, um, actually maybe I never did. I, 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 some friends of mine in college, which were kind of bored of like the frat, the frat scene parties at, at college. Cause it just wasn't our thing. We were like, wow, let's, we're going to go hang out with some other people. And they had a party out in the woods near Lake Texoma. That's near the border of Oklahoma and Texas, if you could believe it. Uh, and uh, at about 1 a.m., that's when they brought out the bow and arrow and the gas canister. And the gas canister was full of gas and the arrows they decided to light on fire <laughs> to see what would happen. And that's when we all decided to leave. Um, so yeah, <sighs> Texans do party pretty hard in ways that you might not expect. And it's, uh, it's pretty it seems, wild. Yeah. What was the football movie in Texas? Varsity Ms. blues Ms. Robinson's, or, or yeah, she's a 10. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. about varsity blues is a hundred percent accurate to it's, the Texas experience. And it's true. weird that like the police in Texas are usually just in on the party. Like yeah, that's something that's also God. very different is like yeah. Texas towns are just like, yeah, who gives a shit? Jim blew up the gas station. Right, yeah. I use the name Jim a lot as my scapegoat, but yeah, you get what no, I'm that's saying. That's fair. Um, <laughs> So battle and brew is a thing I'm supposed to talk about. Yeah, no, like finish, finish that up because I do want to say, like, I think yeah. I think when you um when you mentioned that, you know, y'all do kind of geeky, you know, basically geek themed stuff. I want to point out that it's like I, I hate to I hate to put things like this, but it's kind of true. It's like y'all y'all do deep cuts. Like y'all like get it. Like y'all are really into a lot of different stuff. And so I think that's really yeah. I think that's really cool because a lot of people might open a geek bar and it's like we have a Mario night, you know, and so, no, there's nothing against Mario, but it's like, y'all do a lot of different stuff too, which is cool. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I think that speaks to our successes, and I think that speaks to why we're still in business, and it speaks to why a lot of places open and close real yeah. quick. Like, and it is a it is a matter of diversifying your uh, employment to make sure that you're covering uh, everybody. You know, we right. talk uh, in in video game world and in the discourse. You know, you talk about inclusion, um, but that goes that goes double for businesses in that in that world too. You're not going to run. A, a good, uh, long-lasting business that that is occupying this space. If you're not diverse and you're not hitting everybody that you can, you know, always be looking for the audience you don't have, sure. um, and that means you need to hire outside of your norms, um, yeah. and that means that you need to explore things outside of your norms too. Battle and Brew is supposed to be a place for everybody. It's supposed yeah. to be a safe space in the purest sense of the word, a, a pub for the community, and that community is geeks and nerds and, and gamers and weebs, and, and, and you know, and I happen <laughs> to fall into all four of those groups. And so, you know, we we put on. I had to fight uh, recently, not because people were against it, but because they had never heard of it. We're doing a Homestuck trivia, <laughs> uh, and, right? And you laugh, and it's like, listen. I'm, I'll be honest. I don't know anything about Homestuck currently, but I have yeah. to write this trivia for Homestuck when we run it, and and I know that there's people out there who who like Homestuck who would like to see a trivia night for that. They're like, yeah. you know what? I'm 23, 24. I like to drink and I like pub trivia. There's zero percent chance of Homestuck trivia ever happening. Well, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it for them, and they're gonna enjoy it. We're gonna do a. We got a Final Fantasy 14 trivia. We got uh, Thank we got a Bob Burgers trivia. We've oh, got, you know, Final yeah. Fantasy I, I mean, we. Uh, we gotta get we gotta get some of the crew out for that because uh, sure. God, God, hey, it's every Wednesday, eight p.m. Twitch.tv slash Battle and Brew. I'm the host of trivia. Been that way for ten years. Um, Twitch.tv slash Battle and Brew. It's free to play if you want to play. Uh, it starts at eight p.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. Uh, but we do a theme trivia and then a general trivia, then theme trivia, general trivia. But it's always geeky, so you never have nice. to worry about it. The only sports questions we ask are about the Besaid Aurochs, which is the <laughs> shout out shout out to the Aurochs Titus's team from Final Fantasy X. You know, I have more. Um, you have I have more hours in Blitzball than I do the the normal game. Did you know that? I saw me? you tweet that, yeah. and that doesn't surprise me because most people uh, our age who played Final Fantasy VII had more time breeding chocobos than they had playing the entire rest <laughs> of the game. Yeah, because the yeah. drop rates for getting a gold chocobo it's to get to Knights of the Round were about the same, about the same as a gotcha game <laughs> is now. Yeah, I played so Final true. Fantasy VII for gotcha games yeah. in their entire existence. I want to talk about the intersection of your job, which is which is really kind of. Social media and food, I would say, right? I mean, you're 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 constantly trying to uh, uh, obviously advertise a bar and all that stuff, and that's great. But it's like I think social media and food has been such an interesting thing to look at uh, how it's developed over the past uh, decade. And and I don't know, maybe speak to like what what the heart, like the biggest challenges of that part of the job uh, uh, are for you. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, the 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 biggest challenge uh, is caloric. I think yeah, <laughs> my biggest sure. challenge is that I'm diabetic and I can't eat ninety percent of the things I take pictures of. Yeah, uh, but that's, that's a, not that's like really like challenging. work challenges. Yeah, work challenges are like platforms that suck. Like using having to build an air table with a thousand menu items and pictures of every single one and documentation and make sure that that's up to date because the menus change seasonally. Those are all like it's it's an it's a um, the 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 trials generally are just like in the monotony of it. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. 
it, and then and then you know food pictures are are I will give everyone I will give every single person who listens to this the the easiest tips for taking food pictures Please. and that is clean clean the lens on your camera and take your picture up close yeah that's it's that's it you want it low and tight that, yeah. you know low and tight is the way you take a picture of of food if you do not have a professional setup you need to make sure that there's natural light like step out onto the patio to take a picture of your food if you're at your house step into your backyard or your front yard wherever the light's good and get your picture because when you take pictures in a kitchen it will never look good because the light in kitchens is designed for cooking it is not designed for you to be taking pictures and anyone who's ever filmed in a kitchen can tell you that the light in the kitchen is not designed for any sort of multimedia experience mm-hmm. it's just designed for cooking mm-hmm. and so you need good light and you can always find good light outside if the sun's up and you need to take that picture low and tight and your food's going to look a hundred times better unless you get a light box if you get a light box great grand they're like 45 50 dollars buy yourself a camera if you feel like you need it but if you just follow those you know couple steps you're good all your food pictures will look better immediately um I, I will say that that with our demographic, which is uh, geeks, nerds, etc., that there's also a high higher uh, volume of pedants. <laughs> sure, and, right? <laughs> yeah, and pedants. You know, I I run trivia for ten years. I've dealt with some pedants. <laughs> pedants love to see a picture and then go to the comments section and go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to earn some goodwill. And then they will just start typing anything that they feel like is wrong with the photo. (laughs) And it could be something, you know, like the background isn't perfect. It could be something like there's a, you know, some of the sauce splashed onto the plate, you know, in a place that isn't uh, aesthetically pleasing. Uh And it could just be something like, you know, just asinine. But they want to let you know that they know that they, know. That they think something is wrong. And so <laughs> if I had to nail down one really frustrating part of my job, it's pedants. But thanks for Facebook allowing me to hide comments. Yeah, that's a that's a the really one thing I can plus. thank Facebook for. Yeah. Uh yeah, we often get reports from uh you know, we, we our our social media uh manager LB uh Hunk Tears uh will will deliver plant you know, like reviews to us and yeah, we get like engagement reports for like Twitter and stuff and then the Facebook ones are just absolutely fucking terrible. <laughs> because I don't know, it's like the the worst people on earth are, are commenting on Facebook. Uh shouts to everyone that yeah. comments on Facebook. But yeah, I don't know what it is about Facebook people. They they'll follow your page just to be rude to you. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. they'll just like I'll say, oh, this person shared our our posts. Let me see what they shared, and then they're just super rude about it. And it's yeah. like, why are they following us? Yeah, I don't follow people on any social media with the express intent of disliking them. Like yeah. I don't have the desire to go onto Facebook or Twitter or anything and go. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to find someone I don't like, and then every time let them know. I'm just going to be mad about it and let them know yep. because that's how you're going to live. You gonna you're living, live? uh, yeah, they're living rent free in your head and you should go to therapy. Yeah, 100%. Like the rest of us. <laughs> you're so, uh, your tips, by the way, about the, about the, uh, the food picks. Very good. I'm, I, I, I even took some notes. When I, uh, had my apartment in Los Angeles, uh, it, it they, you know, the light fixtures in the kitchen, uh, the place I was renting, uh, were even more yellow than I think a normal kitchen light is. So like mm-hmm. my food pictures just looked 
I mean, sickly, just terrible, just all you, the time. I see pictures, you know, people send me food pictures from other accounts on Twitter all the time. Sure. They'll DM me like bad ones. Like right. I want to jump in and like, I have no <laughs> yeah. desire yeah. to jump in on that. I do not want to hurt someone's feelings. <laughs> no, of I course. will just say that a lot of people's food pictures taken in their kitchen, the light's bad and it makes it look like uh, cigarette smoke yeah. stains on everything. Like yeah. that is that, that is the aesthetic of a picture taken in a, in a kitchen with bad light is that your plate is stained with cigarette smoke. Your room is stained with cig- cigarette smoke and your food looks unappetizing yeah it, it it all looks like food served in the ship uh in the matrix like when, when <laughs> yeah it's yeah, like yeah. it just is not it's through a filter you just don't want to see through uh food through um enjoy your gruel yeah enjoy it uh, i think one of the things that i i, I know we don't want to talk too much shit but it's like i think just in general one of the things that i've noticed about kind of the intersection of food and social media is how uh, how absolutely buck wild people have gotten with like fad food. Right. And I think like, you know, kind of the virality of food in social media has kind of given rise to like things that I would say don't, don't appear to be appetizing to me at all. What do you, what do you think that kind of food tourism is about? Like where, where does that start? And like, what about that appeals to folks and why don't you jump into that uh, pit? Well, so I don't personally jump into that, but we sure. as a business have done a couple things where it was like intentionally designed to generate uh, social media buzz. We sure. famously uh, made a Mountain Dew cheesecake with a flaming hot Dorito crust. Okay, uh, but like and, I think that's a little bit different. I I I, I want well, you to finish it, your yeah. thought, but I do think that's a little bit different. But finish your thought. I, I know where you're going. I think that you're talking about spaghetti counter, which makes yeah, me upset it's, it's, thinking it's about stuff it. like that. It's like it's like we it's, made it. We made it. We made our entire cookie business is based on ripping up open a cookie to reveal that it's not fucking baked inside. Like that's like been the yeah. thing that like there's a lot of stuff to me that's like. We do the most visually pleasing things that if you are in food, you're looking at that and you're going, no, like none of that seems a gold plated steak. That kind of shit is like, I think that, yeah, I think we've, we've always tried to just make something that's edible. We made right. a, we made edible marijuana pot brownies where they were actually the brownie was the, the soil and then the pot itself was made of candy and the, and the weed plant was made of fondant so the whole thing was edible right we we will make kitsch stuff but we always want it to be edible right first and foremost yeah um and we made pickle cupcakes which sold like crazy wow. like people love them yeah just absolutely love them blew my mind i i didn't care for it but people love them a briny um, cupcake but the, that's an interesting one yeah man mm. i I don't know, man. You got to talk to Bart over at High Res Studios. That man <laughs> bought like ten of them. Holy shit! <laughs> was That's killing amazing. it. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know the food thing, the food nightmares <laughs> is what I call it. I think food nightmares. It's it's so viscerally um, against our norms, and it's yeah. so. And it's also upsetting because it's waste. Mm. So I get upset about it because it's waste, mm-hmm. but also because it's awful. Um, and and I think that food waste is probably like it's one of the worst things about food culture in America right. is the volume of waste. Like they did that all that dumb shit with the spaghetti, and then they threw that stuff away. Right. Yeah. Like when you think about how much food that they just 
made for a dumb video on YouTube to just throw it all away because no one's going to eat that. Right. I don't want you giving that to the homeless. Like, that's awful. Like, that's a really upsetting thing for someone who's cognizant of food waste, mm-hmm. for someone who's cognizant of, like, poverty and food shortages. And, and I speak uh, pretty often about how school lunches should be free and stuff like that. But, like, I just I just get upset seeing that stuff. And it is for shock culture, but I think that we 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 give it too much attention. Like when I see that stuff, I don't share it. I'm just like I'm good. Yeah. I, I don't need to see any of that shit because it's just like it's just awful. I don't I don't think it has any redeeming qualities. I don't think like being shocking by destroying uh, a kitchen is funny. Right. Um it's I don't know, man. If someone was like, I'm a computer engineer check this out and then they bought a bunch of 3080s and set them on fire like people who (laughs) were trying to get 3080s or spending way much too much money for scalpers to get them they'd be upset about that yeah yeah. right but but no one's no one's starving to death because of a 3080 right so there's extra there's extra steps there that i think that makes it annoying i think that you know we make food videos uh and i have i have a, a defunct youtube cooking channel that i sometimes upload to like once a year but like you know, cooking should be. I think the cooking should be something that that is. Uh, I think the cooking should be important, and I think that it's like something that everyone should learn how to do. And I find yeah. it to be culturally important. And I think that like this country has lost it, the value of cooking for a lot of people, and mm. they don't teach, they don't learn to cook, they don't teach their kids to cook, or they, you know, they microwave everything, and it, and it makes me sad because um, I think that there's so much good in cooking and there's so much good in learning it and teaching people how to do it and one of the best things one of the best feelings on earth bar none is making a dish for someone and then watching their expression as they eat it i think that's like pure fucking serotonin like it's like it's it's up there and so um yeah I, i just you know not to ramble, which is what I have done this whole podcast. No, but you've been great. I just find it upsetting. Is I, mostly I think that's I a great answer. It. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel the same way. I, I don't. My, my initial reaction is I usually just think about how, how like unappealing it is, and then I leave it behind. But you're right. I mean, if I, if you really think about it, I think most of it is done in such a uh, profoundly wasteful way, and it, it, it is so antithetical to I think the spirit of cooking, at least how I grew up you know, with it, you know, I did cooking to me was very much passed down from, you know, my grandmother to my mother to me. And it took it, it actually took me a while to get there. And now that I do cook a lot for myself, I cook maybe four or five times a week for myself. I wish it was more, but I just don't have time. Um, yeah, I think there is a lot of value to it in learning it. And yeah, when it's, when it's done wastefully, it's, uh, yeah, it's a problem for me too. I agree. Is there is there a is there a, a food picture that I have posted that you have thought, damn, that's a lot. That you uh, so a, a burger that is too big for me to put in my mouth is usually one of those things that I go ah. But honestly, that's very common. And the and here's the other thing: I have like a cartoonishly small mouth. Like one, <laughs> okay. like like people don't like people may not realize that, but like I'll go to the dentist, especially a new one, and they'll be like, "Oh, okay, let's do your evaluation." Like I've had dentists go. Oh no, because my mouth is too small. And so like huh. my jaw just doesn't open wide enough to to eat a lot of like big things. So that's like a very specific thing for me. Uh when you post I remember the I remember the Mountain Dew Dorito cheesecake. Uh 
Um, And I remember going, ah, come on, you know, like, but like kind of shit posty, but then, but then Brian, and I hate, I need to be honest with you about this. I thought, you know what? I would fucking eat that. I would eat that. I would take a bite of that because <laughs> I started. To, I started to think about the. Sold- I, I started to think about the flavor profile, and I'm like, I don't think that might. That may not be the worst thing I ever put in my mouth. That may not be the worst thing. Yeah, I think it's not the worst tasting thing on earth. Honestly, yeah. the, the crust uh, was not great because of the fact that Doritos dry out really bad. When yeah, you make them and they uh, and they become stale. But the 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 cheesecake itself uh, was very. Uh, I would say it's very sweet, yeah, um, bordering on on excessively sweet. Sure, but if you like Mountain Dew, if if you drink Mountain Dew, <laughs> then you, you have no moral high ground here. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've enjoyed so the Dew flavors. It's in you. You were a West Virginian by that yeah. point. Yeah, we. You got Dew teeth. Yeah, we. I I would love to see Jeff Keeley take a big bite of one of those um, <laughs> live. Yeah, live we'll at see, E3 let's, or whatever. You get me in touch with Jeff, and okay. I'll get him a cheesecake we gotta to do eat. It. We got to do it. Oh <clears throat> God, that'd be so. Good. I don't know if anyone's gonna remember or or have any idea what I was talking about, but there's an actual medical condition in West Virginia that's related to Mountain Dew. <laughs> what? It's a thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, food history, man. You got to learn it. I do. I do need to learn it. Mountain Dew used to be a uh, damn panacea. <laughs> That's so weird. It's so well, funny to me about like all like Dr. Pepper, like these medicinal yeah. things that were just like, wow, y'all thought this is going to cure anything. <laughs> it's, it's really funny to me. Um, Cause it's like, well, well, like when you think about uh, Dr. Pepper in particular, right? It was originally a tonic made of, 17 uh herbs and spices and it was sure. boiled into water right and then they said people right. don't like the taste and so what they do they added molasses mm-hmm. and then the and that's how you make things taste good is you just add a ton of sugar yep. and then you know over the years they're like man people really like this just to drink it and it's like maybe it's the herbs and spices and then someone else is like <laughs> it's probably the sugar and so they just eventually kept making it and making it until they end up with the dr pepper today which i i love oh, what was i watching someone was describing dr pepper in a comedy bit and I don't remember who it was, but they were like, they were like, I could not tell you what flavor Dr. Pepper is if I tried. It yeah. is not a flavor of a fruit that exists. And no, that's it's, it's not. true. It's not. It's there's true. no fruit flavor. There is. There is nothing. Uh, some people say uh, have said that it is a it is a cherry like cola, and I could not disagree with that idea more. Um, Those people I, don't know what cherries taste like. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. We actually got a lot of questions from our Discord when uh, uh, I told our Discord. Uh, you can go there to uh, fanbyte.casa, that's C-A-S-A, uh, to join that. And uh, for next week, you can also ask questions uh, for any of our podcasts, actually, if you want to go over there. Uh, but a lot of people had uh, questions for you, and I'm going to go uh, through them first. Um, let's, let's start with, uh, grace. You can, you, you can only use one for the rest of your life, butter or olive oil. Which do you choose? Butter. Uh, that's not even, I'm not even going to have to think about it. I know. It. Just I know. When, when Grace um, asked that question, know, I, I, I love you, Grace, but I was like, I know the answer to that one already. But, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, listen, olive oil is great, but I can cook a thousand dishes without it. Right. And I can still use butter for yeah. everything else. You can't make herb, uh, you can't make a, you know, 
I can't I can't take herbs, mix them up with olive oil, and then put it in the fridge and then have a delicious yeah, herb you, olive oil like make, I can with an herb butter. Yeah, compound <laughs> olive oil isn't really a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, put it. I put all this olive oil in this saran wrap, and it ran all over my, <laughs> my ruined, fridge. It ruined my fridge. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I would just pick butter, man. I think I think that uh, I think that that it's just uh, it's just the best. Yeah, it's really good. Um, uh, okay. Uh, th- I thought this was a good one and it's something I'm definitely curious about. Uh, a Southern dish that you do not care for. Ooh, that's tough. Cause I like almost all of them. Really? Um, okay. yeah, I, 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 I fuck with anything in the South. Right. Uh, I love okra. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I eat pickled sausages and pickled eggs. I like, okay. a, I like a fucking pig's foot. I don't yep. even give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people, People just just don't know. Uh, Southern dish, man, that's the thing. The thing is, is that the only dishes I don't like, and I've kept track of these things. I'll tell you the dish I don't like because it's the only dish I really fucking hate, and it's rutabagas. Mm. And if you don't know what a rutabaga is, it's a cold weather uh, uh, t- tuber. Mm-hmm. Um, comes up out of Wisconsin area, and it's fucking foul. It is the most bitter... <laughs> awful thing if i was a viking and i had to eat that i would just i would walk into the water myself and just leave, <laughs> and leave this earth it's terrible rutabaggers yeah. are the worst potatoes exist and you know you don't have to do that to yourself you don't have to say i have a hundred good tubers i'm gonna eat a bad one yeah yeah i'm 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 actually with you there i've had a rutabaga once and i will not uh i will not be <laughs> returning they're foul. Yeah, they're not great. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you the most underrated Southern dish is probably, it's probably okra, but it could also be, uh, you know, um, I think cornbread gets a bad rap sometimes. Like I see people from the North talking about cornbread funky and it's like, I don't know why, like cornbread's amazing, but I think that they only eat the box <laughs> cornbread. Yeah. Yeah. They, they only eat. Ter- uh, yeah. That stuff isn't good. Yeah. That stuff. Yeah. What, what, what is the brand? Ser- I think it's Sara Lee's instant cornbread, um, but it's bad. Like you shouldn't eat that, but or whoever. But cornbread should be delicious. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of uh, Jiffy corn muffins. It's like it's like if if you if you get the stuff in the box. Listen, you can church up the stuff in the box, okay, but make homemade cornbread like in a skillet. It's really good. I I love very good. Yeah. And it's an ancient uh, Native uh, Indigenous American dish. Yes, uh, it was. It was invented thousands of years ago. Yeah, and so you get to take part in some cool culture. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I love to learn food history. It's cool stuff. It is cool stuff. I agree with you. Uh, yeah, what is the best MOBA uh, refrain? Asks. <laughs> Why are you fucking with me like that? I used to play. <laughs> An alarming amount of League of Legends, and I am okay. known uh, in the gaming community primarily for League of Legends uh, and League of Legends related content. And Riot Games had done a lot of work with me prior to uh, what I consider to be some questionable moral decisions on the part of their company. Yeah, um, I still think League of Legends is a good game yeah. for the, for what it is, which is a MOBA, um, which is a terrible genre of video game that makes you toxic and awful. <laughs> the thing about 
MOBAs is that it is designed to make you upset with your teammates. And mm. I, I stopped playing I stopped playing League back in season seven because I just realized that they weren't making me happy. Yeah. Like I was not enjoying the 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 um the the play cycle. The yeah. you know, it was just it was just it was making me unhappy to play it. Uh Overwatch also has that effect on me because you're reliant on teammates to whom sometimes you cannot communicate with. And right. also there is a system in the game that makes it impossible for you for you to singularly carry the game whereas in something like rainbow six siege if i'm good enough i can absolutely kill the other five characters on the opposing team because the game is so heavily skill-based and mm-hmm. and making mistakes is so heavily punished mm-hmm. um so best moba league of legends is a very good game uh so that is how i will phrase my answer to that question actually you know okay. what the best moba is smite fuck it atl baby <laughs> i'm just gonna say smite's the best moba high studios shout out to my friends they they work on that one and uh they are they have legends of korra characters they have avatar characters yeah. they have teenage mutant ninja turtles characters interesting. Does, yeah. does league of legends have anyone from the teenage mutant ninja turtles in no. it no they don't because they don't do collabs but smite does so smite's the best moba <laughs> okay that's a good answer uh, what's your favorite killer mike song ooh ooh mm. that's tough uh so my favorite killer mike song and i want to make sure i get the correct name off of it killer mike discography so the i've been listening to killer mike since monster back in 2003 um which is just a phenomenal album um and and honestly all of killer mike's albums are phenomenal albums in my opinion um but i'm gonna say i'm gonna say reaction the okay. remix all right yeah reaction the remix and then follow up ronald reagan okay ronald reagan's the second but because you asked me about killer mike songs not run the jewels songs that's correct yeah so i'm gonna say reaction remix and then and then uh ronald reagan okay fair enough uh what do you order when you go to the varsity two chili dogs coke zero <laughs> And now That's what it. now what is the varsity because I I I only read this question I don't understand it. So what is the varsity? The varsity is a fast service uh restaurant that is designed uh similar to the original chili dog and hamburger style restaurants of the 20s and 30s and nice. so similar to White Castle in in their original design Everyone has paper hats. Everyone has the same outfit, like white dress shirts mm, and things like that. Sure. Um, and all the food is served up very quickly. Um, and and they are constantly, you know, you'll have a cook back there with a absolutely massive flat top, and he's cooking a hundred different things. Amazing. Um, and and they just they're like, what's your order? like? They're trying to move you quickly. And so whenever you right. go there, they go, what's your order? What's your order? What's your order? What's your order? And uh, and you'll say, okay, two chili dogs, Coke Zero. And they go, okay, five. Da, 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 da. And you give them money. Go and they go, okay, move. <laughs> Let the next person come through <laughs> because they're because there's all there's like uh, God, I can't remember last time I went in because I've been stuck in COVID for so long. But yeah. like they would have, they would have. Um, 
like five lines. Oh each my one God. with 20 people in line. Wow. And they're just like, you need to get out of the way. I'm trying to make <laughs> chili dogs and hamburgers. Um, and so, yeah, that that's what I, I... I love a chili dog. I think that it's a underrated dish. Uh, it, it's... it's um, it's one of those things that's like being lost in Americana, the chili burger and the chili dog, because people are like, I don't want to eat something that's sloppy. And it's like, yeah, fuck off. Like, just put a, put a <laughs> napkin just... down your shirt yeah. like an adult and eat it. Yeah. I, I also do that. I do a napkin down the shirt and people are like, what are you? And I'm like, I don't want to get stuff on my shirt. Yeah. I paid for the shirt and it, I don't want to get food on it. It's one of those things that that's so funny. Anyone who has ever been around me, especially during mealtime, knows that like, I can turn something that isn't sloppy into something sloppy. It will get it will get fucking disgusting because I I I drop so much down the front of my shirt. It is a, a, a it is something I'm known for to get my clothes messed up before 1 p.m. every single day. So yeah, the napkin down the shirt thing is just smart. Like I'm sorry, but like you can you can be a cartoon from 1940s Americana if you want, but it's like it's fine. It like yeah. you have to protect your stuff. All of the the parodies, it, it literally like parodies of the Godfather, where people were like putting <laughs> these hilarious bibs down their shirts. Somehow managed to convince people that they shouldn't protect their shirts from food. <laughs> sure. Like that is the weirdest thing. Also, my mom has told me years ago. She goes, "You should just never buy white shirts." Yeah, she's like you like eating too much. You just That's don't pretty, buy a white shirt. It's pretty good advice, honestly, especially for me. Your mom should be always honest with you, a hundred percent. Your mom yeah. should never lie to you about your your failings and my mom has always told me don't wear a white shirt if you're gonna eat that's fair um which video game characters would you invite to a dinner party and what would you serve oh well i do have a flair for the romance of the three kingdoms sure but i don't think that any of those people who were born into the two late 200s ad are going to be particularly like big on the cuisines that i normally serve you know what i'm <laughs> sure. saying yeah that, uh, I, I don't i don't consider them to be huge eaters i know sao sao executed people for uh to to fool his troops into thinking that that person had been stealing food because they just happened right. to be healthier looking mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, so i'm a little mm-hmm. concerned about bringing in people like that um and i don't want to be killed at dinner so lubu is probably out of the question <laughs> um just generally speaking um if i had to invite video game characters to to a dinner i want to get educated video game characters who have refined palettes mm. and so what i'm gonna say is probably like uh, someone someone who would appreciate uh, the effort that went into a meal is going to be someone from a final fantasy sure and i'm not talking about prompto no i'm no, talking no, about no. i'm talking about orlando sid okay and ramza Beulf and delita okay i'm bringing the best characters of final fantasy tactics they're coming over to eat and we're going to have a talk and we're going to talk about uh, the injustices of nobility and we're going to talk about class warfare and we're going to talk about deposing the throne. That's a great answer. That's a really good Thank answer. Um, yeah. finally, I don't really care for Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. Why, why did you not, not to make like people it? hate me? No, uh, no, no. I, 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 a, lot, a lot of people don't like that game. So I want to know why, why you don't like it. It does not evoke Final Fantasy to me. Mm. 
It does not evoke Final Fantasy to me in the same way that Final Fantasy Spirits Within does not evoke Final Fantasy to me. <laughs> okay. It does not feel... Hey, that's a movie that I read the novelization of. It just doesn't feel right. It It, it is taking... Uh, it's It's 10 steps too far away. Right, mm-hmm. I think that Last Remnant feels more like a Final Fantasy game. Interesting, and that's made by the Saga guys, which is right. another story. But I just, it just didn't, it, you know, the everyone wearing the same outfits, color coordinating, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the the fact that like a lot of the Final Fantasy, uh, you know, you can call them tropes, uh, but I don't think that's negative. But a lot of the 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 Final Fantasy like standbys weren't there. Right. Um, and it just didn't feel like I was in a fantasy, grandiose, epic orchestra, you know, thing. Sure. It didn't feel like I was in that. It felt like I was playing an action game, which is not what I want from my big political, spiritual journeys that I get out of Final Fantasy games. Right. You know. I, I, you know, if you take, if you look at like Final Fantasy VI and the journey of the Figaro siblings, uh, from being princes to being deposed to fighting a war to having their kingdom destroyed to, you know, there's there's so much more between uh, Edgar and Saban than there is between um, Noctis and his boys. Mm-hmm. I I totally agree. I think the the homogeny of that game is is troubling for me. You touched on that with like how everyone kind of looks the same. Like I, I thematically in that world, I understand that. I understand the narrative it's trying to 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 uh, uh, to express. But I Final Fantasy is. I look back at Final Fantasy VIII as kind of an interesting like mirror of what Final Fantasy XV could have been, and this kind of like okay, the these basically child soldiers they put on these uniforms and then they go to work, but then they they have these colorful personalities outside of that, and I think like that is an interesting way to tackle the homogeny of that world of like okay, well they're not on the clock, so they're they are of these very individual people, and they have this kind of vibe, and like fifteen never sure. really struck that for me. I think that one of the core concepts of the Final Fantasy franchise is unlikely allies bond together yeah. over mm-hmm. common threats. Sure. And that is not what Final Fantasy 15 is about. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, one final question. Do you have gas in your car right now? Yeah, uh, I do. I have <laughs> gas. Uh, I'm not using it. I'm working from home because I don't want to run into the inevitability where I don't have gas in my car and I need it for an emergency. That's um, so okay. I do currently have some gas. I don't want to, dis- dis- you know, I don't want to say how much I have because I'm worried about old timey miscreants coming along and siphoning my <laughs> gas with a, with a cut up rubber tube. But I will say that I do have some gas. My roommate has an electric car. Oh, um, okay. So in the event that I need to go to work, uh, he can drive and it doesn't matter because we just Perfect. charge the car here at the house. Perfect. Um, you should get an electric car folks i mean that's if it's if it's available to you if you have the money if it's something that's within your within your reach you should get one if only because uh, things like this you won't be hamstrung by the 
oil companies and the and the hackers, uh, the the anonymous hackers known as 4chan. And if you uh, if you want to argue with me about that, you should come up to Battle and Brew in Sandy Springs, Atlanta, Georgia, and talk to me at any time. I'm there all the time. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for hanging out. Where can folks find you online? Online, you can find me on Twitter at ChefLubu underscore ATL. Uh, which is a new Twitter handle for reasons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or you can find me. Uh, you can find me in Apex Legends. Uh, I usually play Caustic or Revenant. So if you get killed by me, that's your fault. Because why would you get killed by Caustic or Revenant in this a, on this patch? It's a really good uh, question. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm. You know what? I'm not bad. Or uh, you can find me at your local library talking about Romance of the Three Kingdoms. You should read Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Um, you should play Romance of the Three Kingdoms ten, or, or eight, or eleven, but not fourteen. And you should also just enjoy history in general and food and food history. And that is my spiel. Perfect. Thank you so much. Come to Battle and Brew. I keep saying Battle and Brew. I have to keep saying it. We have to send a crew out. That's what I'm here for. We have to send a crew out. Get in the comments. There's no there's no expo in in Atlanta that I think we would immediately go to, but we got to get a crew out. We have to. Oh, yeah. Twitch.tv slash Battle and Brew. How did I forget that one? Trivia. Geek Trivia. I run it every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. It is free to participate. You will not win prizes on Twitch, uh, but you do win the ability to gloat at other people that you know more about Sailor Moon than everyone else. I mean, it's like that's the most important thing, right? We do, yeah, it is. We do have, uh, we have MomoCon, DragonCon, Atlanta Week, uh, Anime Weekend, Atlanta, all, and DreamHack Atlanta. All those are in Atlanta. We could do that. I mean, it's like, it, 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 listen, I don't know if we need an excuse. That's the thing. I think Paul, our, our my producer, and I, we'll, we'll probably make, we'll probably make a trip. <laughs> you know, we'll grab a few people. We'll just if you don't know about DragonCon. I mean, I would just drink water and then head on down. <laughs> okay. It is a party. <laughs> we will do that. Thanks again for joining us, Brian. Thanks for having me. Resident Evil Village protagonist Ethan Winters is one of the Internet's favorite targets this week as being someone who uh, has a bad relationship with his own hands. It is also just kind of a dweeb and a dingus. But hey, people want to see this guy's face. Uh, The shift to first person with Resident Evil 7 and 8 or I should say village, excuse me, uh, have obscured what Ethan's face looks like uh, so far as to when you go into the bathroom at the beginning of Resident Evil Village, you can look straight in the mirror and not see Ethan's face, which is pretty wild. Uh, so Capcom has uh, to gone to quite a few lengths to obscure Ethan Winter's face. Um, in the years since uh, Resident Evil 7 came out, artists have started making mock-ups of what they thought Ethan looked like outside of Resident Evil seven in villages first person perspectives and this week a viral image was shared online uh being said was an official render from capcom of what ethan winters looked like and by the way it's just some kind of like you know regular looking blonde guy (laughs) with a smartwatch on uh but uh yeah people had a lot of jokes about uh ethan's very very official apparently uh, uh boring appearance but this is not 
actually an official render from Capcom. In fact, the artist Ray Demon Leon 3D Nunez uh, was doing the renders for Resident Evil protagonists for many, many years, starting back in Resident Evil 7 when PlayStation uh, 4 avatars for the game had actual faces on it, like the whole Baker family and Mia Winters, and even the infected Mia Winters and Evelyn. But when you get to Ethan Winters' avatar, it's just a hand with a smartwatch. So uh, Ray Nunez decided to make a render of what he thought Ethan's face was going to look like uh, when we talked to him, when Kenneth Shepard talked to him for fanby.com, he said, quote, when I played Resident Evil 7 for the first time in the first hour of the game, I thought Ethan's face would appear at any moment. However, this wasn't happening. So my curiosity increased more and more as the game progressed. In each new scenario, I desperately searched for a mirror to see his face, but found no reflection. Even by the end of the game, it didn't show up. Uh, so, uh, and, and, end quote, thank you so much to, uh, Nunez for, for chatting with us. Uh, the, the viral image, uh, had a watermark on it, but it was stripped away and then it was shared, which is really kind of a bummer because that happens a lot on Twitter. Uh, art theft remains a consistent issue for folks. Um, but Nunez does find the situation flattering. Uh, he told Kenneth Shepard, quote, my art being confused with an official rendering is simply incredible. I never thought that my art would be good enough to be confused with official art from a franchise that I've loved since I was a child. This is certainly one of the greatest honors of my life. It's something I'm proud of and will remember forever. And you know what? You know what? Fair enough. Uh, and even beyond that, Nunez says, quote, I'm very honored that my art went viral. Whenever an art of mine appears on a website like Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, it makes me extremely happy. So I encourage people to continue using my art without feeling obligated to give me the credits. My art being used is an honor to me, end quote. While I would not suggest everyone who is listening to this to follow in Nunez's uh, lead here and say, listen, you need to credit the artists that you share online. Uh, it is still a charming story. And and he is obviously very excited that his art made waves. But remember, when you see that image of Ethan Winter staring at you with his weird, cold, dead eyes, that's not an official Capcom render. Hey, friends, fans, uh, listen, <laughs> it's your old pal John here to tell you about the Friends reunion special happening on HBO Max that is launching on May 27th. Uh, you know the sitcom. It started in 1994. It ran for 10 years. It's an iconic piece of American television history. Uh, Jennifer Aniston in her, in her hair, that haircut. Matt LeBlanc is Joey. So lovable and stupid. Matthew Perry, Shanann Bong. They're all there to discuss uh, the show and their roles and all that stuff. It's not an episode of Friends, but it's basically a discussion of the show. Uh, the guest list is weird. Um, it includes Justin Bieber and Cindy Crawford and uh, Tom Selleck, who was on the show for a while. Uh, Kit Harrington, who I guess is just like, you know, filling his HBO obligations. And BTS, K-pop idols BTS will be at the Friends reunion which is very funny to me. Um, listen, I, I don't actually recommend that you watch this show. This show is like fine. You can see every episode of it on, on HBO Max, which is why this is airing on HBO Max. The reason it's news for this show is that we have a podcast called Friends Reunion. It airs every Monday, and it includes uh, LB Hunktiers, Nikki Grayson, and myself yucking it up about stuff we find on the internet. It is the only show on our podcast network I would, I would classify as a comedy show, and I'm so sorry because it's like it, it's tough to 
say that, but it's true. That's really what it is. Uh, and we named that show deliberately as friends, friends reunion for this very purpose because we knew that at some point this would happen. So my call to you is to always be Googling Friends Reunion Podcast if you want to find where we are. Listen, you can download whatever you, you can download our show wherever you want on your podcatcher of choice. You can subscribe, you can whatever. Whenever you think about this show, I want you to go on Google and type Friends Reunion Podcast and then click on our uh, link and just open that. We're going to juice this SEO so that when people are looking for the Friends reunion, they're going to find us anyway. That's the big secret. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank my guest, Brian Smalley, for stopping by to talk about all of that good stuff. Can't wait to take a crew over to Battle & Brew. You can find him on Twitter at ChefLubu underscore ATL. You can find my wonderful producer, Paul Tamayo, over at Polymayo. You can find me, John Warren, over at Floppy Adult. You can find uh, Fanbyte, of course, at Fanbyte Media. If you want to check out all of our podcasts, and they're all very good, you can do so at podcastnet.org. All right, folks, Uh, I'm going to sleep for the weekend and play some Mass Effect, and that's going to be really, really great. Uh, Until next week, you are welcome. Listen, if you like guides, if you need help with a video game, we, we have a It's so hard to play this game. I keep dying. What do I do? Well, the big LB, sexy lady keep killing me. How do well, I live? Well, my, LB, where are my hands? I don't have any. I'm a dumb <laughs> bitch, Ethan. How do I play game? Where's the medical juice that glues shit together? Where's my hand juice? Where's my hand juice? How do I play? Juice. Where do I go, John? You can go to oshit.help. That's O-H-S-H-I-T dot help. And that's our Amazing. Page. That's beautiful. That's not, that's not a joke. Please go there.